0: Our scripture today will be read from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the, po- blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Our second scripture is from the Old Testament, book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, or mortal, mortal, what is good. And he and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Good morning. It's good to
1: be with you again. It has been quite some time. I was have been serving as a ministerial intern at a sister church, and so it has been a good deal of time since I've been among you, but this place is special to me and it's wonderful to be back. It's a, a daunting task to think about preaching about the Beatitudes. And then when you pair it with the Old Testament reading that some people have turned the UCC fight song that that Micah 6... Uh, uh, it's well-trodden ground and, and scripture that is deeply important, I know, to the life of this place and deeply important to the formation I received as a member here as I have begun my my journey as a minister outside of these walls. So when Jackie asked me to preach and I looked at what the lectionary was doing, I was like, oh no, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know about that one. Uh, but, I, but I come back to some of the things that I learned here about what it means to be a person of faith. What, and so as I was struggling with what new thing could be said, I, I, I remembered another song that we often sing, St. Teresa's Prayer. Christ has no body here on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. And I think through the the themes of these scriptures, and I lighted on the idea of what it means to be a person of faith in my body, embodied. So we tend to look at the Beatitudes as this lofty either, spiritual to-do list or spiritual covet list because it often it becomes this tool of either I'm blessed because I'm these things or I'm not blessed because I'm not these things. But I think it's important to avoid overly spiritualizing the beatitudes. Now, don't get me wrong, some of them absolutely are spiritual ap- attributes with spiritual implications, but I believe, too, there are also embodied attributes with embodied implications in this text. And it strikes me, as I think through them, that what is spiritual and what is embodied, I can't tell the difference. So let's go through the Beatitudes and listen for some of the embodied language or the spiritual language that then becomes an embodied truth for us as we discern what it means to be people of faith. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a sister text in Luke that cuts out the in spirit and just says, blessed is the poor. Or, blessed are the poor. Uh, and... In the women's Bible commentary, it says the poor in spirit is indicative of humility, an awareness of a reliance on others and on God. Now, what do maybe the economically disadvantaged have to teach us that maybe if we are self-sufficient, we don't have access to that knowledge? Maybe we can learn from them what it's like to have to rely on each other and show up for each other in real and tangible and embodied ways. So poverty is an embodied truth. It's carried in our stress and it manifests in our health. And it brings with it spiritual implications of what we can learn from people who are experiencing. They are blessed, and they have information that if we are not afraid for our economic security, we may not understand in the same kind of a way. It's an embodied truth with spiritual implications. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. If you have ever had a deep grief, you know that that is an embodied truth. When you are sobbing over a lost relationship or someone who has died, it comes from the depths of your soul, deep in your body, and it's tiring and it hurts on its way out. It is an embodied truth. But there's also an embodied truth on the other side of the claws. They will be comforted. When you're comforted, it is very often a physical manifestation of what it means to be a person of faith. We show up for the people who are grieving. We bring them casseroles and send them cards. It is a physical, embodied truth with physical and embodied implications. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, in the commentaries I was working with, the meek doesn't mean those people who make themselves as small as possible, who try not to take up any space. It's more referring to people in positions of power who refuse to abuse their power over other people, people who set aside their privilege and walk with the people who have been given into their care as opposed to exploiting them. As Jackie said, this goes against the wisdom of the world. People actively rejecting their privilege and refusing to harm other people. It's not the way to get ahead, but we do it. It's a spiritual truth with an embodied implication. When we actively set aside our privilege and walk with the marginalized, It changes how we use the power that we have been given, a spiritual truth with an embodied implication. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, a little-known secret in the Greek is that righteousness and justice are the same Greek word, but they get translated differently depending on the context. But what if we substituted, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, because they will be filled. Righteousness tends to have that spiritual connotation and also that dark side of self-righteousness, of I have done what I need to do. And, I, and therefore, I will get what is coming to me. Instead, those who hunger and thirst for justice, it, that leads more to a collective sense of justice and liberation, a spiritual truth a spiritual experience with embodied implications. Or wait a second, maybe it is an embodied truth with spiritual implications. Doesn't it get a little bit mixed up sometimes? Maybe they aren't as easy to pull apart as we would hope. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now see, that was just paired with justice. And, hum- and even before that, a couple beatitudes before that, it was paired with humility. Now, that doesn't that sound like Micah 6? They're in the New Testament again. Now, is that a spiritual truth with spiritual implications? Or maybe it's a spiritual truth with embodied implications. It's both. It's both. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will seek God. In the Jewish annotated New Testament with, within Hebrew, the heart is often seen as the seat of thought and conviction. There we have a spiritual truth which changes how we walk in the world. That's a spiritual truth with embodied implications, how we choose to be in relationship with other people. If our heart, our, our center, of our seat of thought and conviction is pure, it changes how we show up. It's a spiritual truth with spiritual implications, or maybe a spiritual truth with embodied implications. It's both. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I really like that action word, the makers. It's not about being peaceable or just getting by in relationship with other people, but it is an act, taking an active part and assuming an identity of one who makes peace. It's not just about sitting in meditation, but also about being active in our world, working for peace, making peace. In a book called Activist Theology, Be- theology by Robin Henderson Espinoza, the author talks about an active role in midwifing shalom for those who are not experiencing it. They also talk about what it would look like to be militant peacemakers, that we have all of the energy of being militant and all of the intent of making peace. What kind of world would that be? It's a spiritual experience, a spiritual truth with embodied implications. It's an embodied truth experiencing what peace means with implications for how we walk in the world. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like Jackie said, the world doesn't understand what we're trying to do. You know, the forces of empire exploitation and capitalism are invested in exactly the opposite, but we are are co-creators midwifing shalom into the world. We, as Christians give a counter-narrative of what is possible, that you don't have to harm other people to be in good community, to get what you need. It doesn't have to come at the exploitation of other people. So when you listen through those Beatitudes, you hear the embodied language, the language that is intrinsically linked to to our experience of our body in space, you hear about poverty, you hear mourning, you hear comforting, inherit, hunger, thirst, filled, receive, heart, peacemaking, and persecution. Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. Speaking of thirst. Oh, thirst. Yes. Embodied needs. <clears throat> But the embodied language doesn't just happen on the side of the blessed. It's not just on one side of the clause. It is also on the blessings that they receive. So for me, that begs the question: Where is this blessing coming from? They will be comforted. By who? They will inherit the earth. From who? They will be filled by what? By who? They will receive mercy from who? They will be called children of God. Who is calling them that? So I return again to St. Teresa's prayer, and I begin to think of it as a both-and experience of blessing and responsibility. They are us. But the who is also us. None of us are always on one side or the other. It's a hybrid state of being both blessed and being a blessing. We recognize the blessing, the blessedness in each other and we show up for The humble and the meek, we show up for those who are hungering and thirsting for justice, reminding them that they are blessed children of God who carry a facet of God's wisdom in their embodied experience and who are manifesting it into the kingdom here on earth now. But in return, we also step into our own blessedness We receive the comfort, the mercy, and the affirmation that we too are blessed children of God with God's innate wisdom in our bodies. I think that this has profound implications for what it means to be the church and who we are as a church. Return now to the Micah text. If you read it through those verses, they're a little bit dramatic, aren't they? You know, so it starts off with like a normal burnt sacrifice offering, like that's fine. And then it goes to a thousand and then it goes to 10,000 and then it's like, do I need to murder my child? What do I need to do to be right with God? It's this one act that is perhaps embodied that that if I can just sacrifice this thing, then finally I will believe that I am blessed and maybe I will be able to believe it in my body. But I just need this, this weight off my back of feeling like I'm out of right relationship with God. So what do I have to do up to this point? But God's invitation is much gentler than that. But if if we let it, it has even greater profound impacts about what it means for our life and our decision-making. And it's more embodied language, seeking and walking. The spiritual and the embodied bound up together into an ongoing relationship with God, seeking and walking together. It's not about arriving just as the Beatitudes are not about being a spiritual checklist. It's about recognizing that there is a dynamic relationship and ongoing process that changes us from the inside out, but that it does change our outsides as well. It's the willingness to embody what we are learning of our own blessedness and reflecting back that blessedness to our siblings in the world. This is a difficult time for this church. It's a turbulent time and a time of deep identity formation and reformation. It's a time of great discernment. So I invite you to return to those things that are central. To our identity, that formed me as a minister that I have taken out beyond these walls, the gifts that this community gave me, and I am incredibly grateful for. Return again to the Beatitudes, return again to the Sermon on the Mount, to Micah 6 and Just Peace, return to St. Teresa's Prayer. The theme there is our bodies. Contemplate what it means to be the kingdom of God embodied as you embark on this discernment process. Amen.